Hi, I'm Sean Fry, and welcome to another edition of The War Room here on KOKC Radio in Parsons, Kansas. I am your host, Sean Fry, the managing sports editor of the Parsons Sun and Chanute Tribune. We finally have a guest on the show this week, and it is none other than Multiplier Crusader and Payola High School Principal Jeff Hines. Jeff, uh, we've talked a lot throughout years of reporting on this multiplier issue, but it's great to have you on the show. Welcome. You bet. On on the record, off the record, you and I have had a lot of very in-depth conversations, and I feel like this uh, this issue has needed a grassroots effort from the get-go, and having um, different people in the media from, from different corners of the state to help bring attention to this has been helpful, and I appreciate all you've done to shed light on, on this issue. Thank you very much, Jeff. You know, I this was an issue, you know, it's... I, I always like to say some of my favorite topics to report on as a journalist are topics that I'm just as unaware of as most readers are, and I'm learning as I as I go along with reporting. Uh, you know, when I took up this topic a couple years ago, you know, I knew nothing about it, and I did a lot of. I, it took a lot of research. I did like a three thousand word expose on it, so to speak, and uh, I've I've kind of followed it ever since. It's almost like a beat of mine. Uh, you know, Jeff, let's, I want to jump right in. And, you know, I last week on the show, I recapped uh, the, uh, the, the State Board of Education hearing on this multiplier where, where Bill Faflick, the executive director of Keisha, spoke. He gave about a 45-minute presentation. We had three people in favor of the issue and three people against uh, the, pro- the proposal all speak, uh, speak their minds uh, to the State Education Board. Uh, just w- without going too into the weeds of what the re- of recapping what everybody said, you were one of the people that spoke in favor of the multiplier. Uh, what was kind of your takeaway from your testimony, hearing the testimony of others, and what just kind of your your takeaway reaction was from that hearing? Right. So one one of the things that I try to do is really focus on my audience and I tailor my talking points based on their reactions or whatnot. And it was obvious when uh, Mr. Fatlick spoke on behalf of the 350-plus member schools that he was standing there, one, giving complete historical background on where we have been, what we've done in the meantime, and then where we're headed. And the nature of the questions um, that were presented to him by the State Board of Education indicated that they still have a lot to learn. So while he was there as an educator to give them an educational component so they could become familiar with and interact with the proposal a little bit, it was pretty obvious to me that I needed to continue that education with them. And so uh, it was nice to bring my perspective to the issue. And one of the things that, that ties really well into your experience with this is, you know, I started this and I needed to learn as well. And, you know, you referred to me as a crusader for this issue. <laughs> I, want, I want to be cautious to your listeners out there. I didn't start this with, this is the problem, this is the answer, and we're chasing this solution to the problem. Quite to the contrary. I've worked with um, people from southeast Kansas. I've um, built relationships with school administrators from clear across the entire state as well as parents. And my uh, opinion on this continues um, to evolve over time. And that's, that's what I think people need to understand is, None of this was rushed. We didn't start with a solution in mind. Instead, we came together as a, an association of member schools and listened to each other. And while I've been one of the driving forces behind it, I've been open to those conversations all along the way. And that continues to include listening to people that are not completely in support 
of the proposal that's been presented. And so one of the speakers in particular, um, the things that, that they wanted to focus on and how on their particular member school, they felt like eight to, to ten individual students and their success in one particular sport would cause all of their student-athletes to suffer and be forced to go up in class. And, you know, that was an excellent point. Those student-athletes that had won those championships that would cause that school to go up in class, and it's pretty easy to point the finger at them and say, this is the reason why. But I'd also like to remind everybody, it just takes one or two individuals to take you from contender to outright favorite to win a championship going away. And I can't help but think of Class 4A football just two years ago when one move into the eventual state champion at James Academy that ended up being the best player on both sides of the ball was what they needed to, to propel them over the over the hump and become the eventual state champion. And, you know, kudos to that young man for finding the right fit and joining a program that he knew that he would experience success in and all the hard work that that, that team put in. But it goes to show that sometimes you're just missing one piece and when you have the ability for that piece to come in in one of those large metropolitan areas, it's going to get you over the top, and it makes it really difficult for smaller rural schools like Paola or Labette County or Parsons or any of the others in, in your um, listening area to be competitive with that. There was, there was, you, you, you met. It's, it's funny. You, you bring up a point that I was going to challenge you on, Jeff, which is. I thought of all the dissenters, the 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 point that I basically agreed with was that uh, the multiplier applying to all sports across or all activities across a school m- might at times be overly punitive, so to speak. Uh, yeah. And uh, I, I do want to refer to Bishop Meage. I, I hate referring to Bishop Meage over and over and over again because they right. get, they just become the boogeyman of, of this issue and. Regardless of Bishop Meage's actions or stance on this, I always like to say all they're doing is following the rules. They're not doing anything wrong. It, it's it, you can, and you know if you want to point the blame at Bishop Meage, well the blame's really on Keisha then. So, yeah. but go, looking at Bishop Meage, they have an elite football team. They have an elite boys basketball team, an elite girls basketball team. There, if this multiplier was in effect for this school year, they would be bumped up a class. Uh, but their softball team, at least record-wise, was horrendous last year. They were among the worst softball records in 4A. Like, they had to have a play-in game against a Coffeyville team that, I promise you, middle school teams could have beat. What and, sport was this then? Uh, softball. Well, I actually watched them. Uh, the last two years, I watched them play in the regional championship for softball against Palo, and they won that game, and, and they should have. Mm-hmm. Went out to the state tournament, I actually watched them in the state semifinals last year. So, maybe you found something just a couple years old, but... You know, I'll jump right in with that point. Historically, their softball pro- program hasn't been good. So if we want to use that for an example, why should the boys' basketball team and the girls' basketball team and tennis and football and, and their volleyball is just incredible up there, why should it force some of the, their other unsuccessful sports to move up? And, you know, Bill Taflick addressed that just a little bit. And, you know, what he said really resonated with me. And it was this. So many of our small rural schools share coaches. And basketball is not a good example, but cross-country is. And so if the boys' cross-country program needed to move up in class and they're 5A and the girls remain in 4A, well, 5A and 4A state cross-country share a coach and aren't in the same um, location. So how would you be able to train your your student-athletes and coach them in in a fair manner? So there are issues with 
moving um, other programs up because of the success of, of others within the same school. But there's also some reasons behind it, too. And as much as I just don't like it, I still think it's better than the status quo. Yeah. Why should we have dozens of schools uh, start a season with no chance whatsoever to be successful in the postseason where they've just got a handful of teams within an individual school? So we're talking about an impact on a small number of individuals versus several communities. And, and I, I agree with that. And to be honest, you want to talk about specifically cross-country. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find any school in the state that has two cross-country coaches, one for the boys and one for the girls, outside of maybe, I'm, I'm thinking, I mean, you might find it at some 6As, at some at some of their really elite private school 5As and 4As maybe, but, I mean, you're not going to find it on a, you're not going to find it at the public school 4A level or down at any well, level. that's right. Yeah, and if, I mean, if you uh, track most closely resembles cross-country, you look at Paolo, historically we have a fantastic uh, track program. Our head coach, Mike Smith, has surrounded himself by very capable assistant coaches that are all experts in the events that they coach. But we don't have a boys' track coach and a girls' track coach. And it's not a problem at State because it's all in one venue currently at Cessna Stadium at Wichita, but regionals aren't that way. Mm-hmm. So if we had to split our squad between boys and girls and send them to opposite uh, sites with, uh, with postseason assignments that are out of our control, uh, we wouldn't be able to, to do a good job of coaching our young men and our young women. And, and we want to make sure that we put our coaches with their student-athletes so they can do the, the best job coaching them. A brief side note, and before I kind of want to look to the future of what's the next steps for this Cajun multiplier, but just a quick note, I think State yeah. Track is ran almost perfectly. I think State yeah. Track is the crown jewel of, of a state championship event that Cajun puts on year in and year out. I love all classes being at the same location. It's ran very well for how hectic and how many people and how many athletes have to compete. Unless there's weather, they generally get ahead of schedule, which is just phenomenal. They do a great job there. It's incredible. And it starts with months of planning. You know, Mark Lentz is, is passing the baton off to somebody different with the kitchen staff next year. But the volunteers that come out of the woodwork in that community to make that event happen every single year. And having a world-class announcer that is something about every single participant there really involves the crowd and lets you know about all the different historical performances going on there. There's nothing else like it in North America. And it's something that our state should be so proud of. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I I am never one to overly criticize or overly praise Keisha, but I will overly praise them for state track. Uh, Moving on. So the next step for this Keisha multiplier is the State Board of Education has to approve it. And I said it last week on my show that I, I, regardless of some of the dissent that you heard on some of the State Board of Education members, uh, during the hearing, I, I think the vote will be actually somewhat close. I anticipate the State Board of Education to pass it. That's just kind of a guess on my end, honestly, Jeff. The, my my philosophy behind it is the state of Kansas and de facto the State Board of Education and whatever, they task Keisha with governing high school activities. If you're going to take that governance out of their hands, what are we doing? Like you'd have to come hard-pressed with a with a reason as you'd have to come at me with a really good reason as to why you would want to vote down this proposal uh yeah go ahead i you know i agree with that completely the the bylaws of case very specifically um list out how the board of directors is structured as well as the executive board and the requirement for when you add 
a second representative for league. So the Frontier League for the last several years had enough students in their member schools to um, give us a second uh, member. Well, you need to have a female representative or a minority for your second rep- representative on the board. And so uh, it's a really diverse group that are from all across the state. It includes uh, State Board of Education members as well as superintendents, principals, and athletic directors, men and women alike, um, who, who really understand what high school activities, not just athletics, but activities, is all about. And I think, you know, sometimes I've been there and I haven't necessarily agreed with everything that's passed and came out of there, but my job is to go there and represent the member schools of the Frontier League and what we as a league want to do. And I would hope that the State Board of Education would consider their role in a similar manner. We've got experts in the trenches at the State Activities Association who, who um, work with elected officials, the board of directors, as well as the executive board, to, um, to pass um, changes through. And, you know, if you want to say we're asking them to rubber stamp that just, and just put full faith in Keisha, I think that's a, a bit of a stretch. They can ask difficult questions, but when they understand that great thought and detail was put into developing the plan and why some of the things that they're questioning, um, why those weren't included in the proposal, I'd hope they'd defer to us. And, you know, I, I would agree. There's going to be some uphill sledding with a couple of the members. You know, one um, made it clear at, at the meeting there um, last week or the week before that they're a former football coach for a private school in Kansas. Obviously not supportive of that. They are a member of Keisha's board of, directive, or, or, of directors. They voted against it there. But is it time now for that individual to switch roles, look at their district, and say, wow, the schools that I represent, an overwhelming majority of them say, yes, we want this passed. I need to vote in support of them. It's at my own personal belief system, as well as my experience aside, and defer to the State Activities Association and all those experts that put countless hours into getting this through. I hope that's what's going to take place. I think you and I could probably almost agree that a problem with politics in general, it, it, you know, nationwide, is that I think a lot of our elected officials, regardless of what side you're on, they're not voting with the popular will. And that's, I, I think that creates a lot of strife. But uh, Yeah, well said. But, uh, but hey, we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, we'll dissect a little more of this multiplier. Uh, Jeff, if you'll stick with me, uh, we'll go to a quick commercial break here on The War Room on KOKC Radio. I'm your host, Sean Fry. We'll be right back after this. And we're back here on The War Room here on KOKC Radio in Parsons, Kansas. I'm your host, Sean Fry. I have Jeff Hines, the Paola High School principal, here with me. Uh, Mr. Hines has been uh, very active in uh, in helping manifest the multiplier proposal being put forth by Keisha with regards to how private schools will be classified. We talked a lot about uh, the State Board of Education hearing on the A, on the A block of this show. Uh, so now, Jeff, let's look ahead. If this passes the State Board of Education, which they're going to vote on it um, in September, they're going to they're going to cast their votes. The next step will be there will have to be a law changed in the Kansas State Legislature. Uh, there's a statute. I don't have the number on me right in front of me. I probably should. I, I should be prepared for my own radio show. But, um, I think it's seventy-two dash one thirty-eight. You're all. You're. I. I that's probably, that's probably your bank pin or whatever at this point. <laughs> but uh, that statute says that uh, Kansas. Uh, schools must classify student activities by student attendance. Uh, Keisha's opinion, based on their legal counsel, is that the multiplier would violate that statute. So they're chasing a statute change. Uh, and uh, 
and that is going to have to be you know, dragged through the state legislature. Uh, there's a lot of variables that go into that. By the time the new the legislature gets back into session on in January, we will have a we will have an elect. Well, there's it's an, it's after an election cycle. We're going to have a new legislature and a governor. The governorship is up for grabs. Uh, so it's either going to be Laura Kelly or Derek Schmidt. You're either going to have a Republican a Republican controlled uh, state legislature with a, with a Democrat in, in the governor's chair, or you're going to have a or you're going to have Republican in both chambers there, and all of a sudden one party get, can decide is this what we want or not. Uh, as the pro- there was there was a, a state representative, um, uh, Representative Johnson, uh, out of uh, he was in Johnson County. I can't remember the exact city he was from. Oh, Hunter Springs area, actually. Yeah. That's right. Uh, he was he testified at the state board of education hearing. He said, I believe his exact quote was, "I will champion this in the legislature." I think back to a quote you gave me a couple weeks ago, which is, "I would imagine there's no politician running on the platform of getting the Keisha multiplier passed." But here we are. Um, what is kind of your gauge now that you've you know kind of you're still in this in the in the thick of this process, Jeff? What what is that process with the legislature potentially going to look like? Yeah, I, I learned quite a bit about this in 2016 and 17 when I hit a roadblock with Keisha, and, and they basically threw their hands up when Gary Musselman was there saying, you know what, there's a state law that needs to change first. We're not going to tackle this. So when I go to the legislature, they say, this is a Keisha issue. You need to start with them. And then whatever Keisha decides, bring it to us for final approval. And so um, here we are, Keisha's taking action and we're going back to the legislature so a couple of a couple of things that i really think are, are going to be part of the uphill battle are this number one the way the that um, the law is going to be changed needs to be very specific if we're going to ask them to uh, change the statute where it says Keisha shall establish a classification system based on student attendance which is what it says right now and strike the words by student attendance, so it, it reads, Keisha st- shall establish a system for classification. I don't think they're going to do that because that opens up Pandora's box, and they've just given 100% of the power to Keisha to do whatever they want. And so I do think that they're going to want to maintain some control. I do think the language is likely to include uh, exactly what Keisha should um, be allowed to do and nothing more than that. So we, we got to get that part right. And you know, what kind of amendments will that take? And will it, will it take on a different face after it, it moves from one committee to the next? Sure, I think that that's possible. Um, but I would hope that they leave the proposal that the member schools have voted it intact and that they work to get uh, the legislative piece uh, put in place in the right way to enable it to move through exactly as written. But I also think that they need to have a little foresight, too, and it's this. Of all the states, and there have been more states do some kind of a, a modifier or a multiplier than those that have not. So a majority of states have done this. Not one state has ever put a multiplier in place and then abandoned it three years later and said, we need to go back to the status quo. This, this, this is too much of a mess now. However, another really important piece is several of them have realized that the, the new modifier or our state, a multiplier, system needed to be tweaked. And so I hope that they would give us some flexibility. So two, three, five years in, we recognize that it still needs to be updated, that we have the flexibility to do that. And then the other thing that goes along with it is this. And um, when I dealt with the Senate Education Committee in 2017, I was told very directly, there were enough votes on the 
committee to get it out and get it passed. But as the committee um, worked on that, they knew that leadership in the Senate chamber wasn't ready to move it above the line. And in politicians' terminology or, or political speak, that means they weren't going to bring it up on the floor for discussion nor to vote. And so we got to get it, get the language correct. We got to move it through the committee, and we have to have support from leadership to actually bring it up for discussion and, and, and a vote on it. Jeff, I think you hit on everything that I kind of wanted to talk about with regards to the legislative part of this multiplier process. We have about five minutes left. And so one thing I want to step away from the multiplier and I want to talk about, I want to talk about officiating with you. I want to talk about the ongoing official shortage that is uh, just hammering Keisha and, and all state associations across the country right now. There are fewer and fewer people that want to be high school um, athletic officials. I want to be I want to be political and pragmatic in this, but I also want to speak from the perspective of some coaches. I think, gun to the head of a lot of coaches in this state, they're also going to say the quality of officiating has gone down. And I I kind of see it as a chicken or the egg deal. You have a shortage of officials. Well, that means you're not going to have as many qualified officials. And if you don't have as many qualified officials, you're going to have more incidents with players and coaches being and fans being frustrated with the officiating. And that means they're going to treat officials badly. They shouldn't be doing that. And uh, that means fewer people are going to be officials. And it's, it's just a circle that goes round and round. How do we stop the cycle? Well, we, we need to break the cycle really quickly, um, and I think we have the answer, and I believe in, uh, as an educator, in the future of our country, it all resides with our youth. And, you know, uh, for the first year in my house, I have two young ladies. I have a freshman and a junior both, and so they're getting close to their end of, of, of time at home with mom and dad, and they're starting to think about college and next steps in life, and I, I've been preaching to them lately. There is no better job for a college student than becoming a registered Keisha official and for, for a lot of reasons number one you work today you get paid today the games and events are almost always in the evening or late afternoon college kids are more than done with class by that time of the day and the other thing is is we have all these kids that have played at the high school level and are so passionate you know they they break down and cry at the at the final seconds tick off at the last game you know they're never never going to pull that jersey on again well, let's put on a different jersey. Let's put on one with black and white stripes. Let's take our interest in a sport and in being physically fit, and, and let's turn that into becoming an official. And uh, I, I really think that therein lies the solution to part of our problem. Um, you know, as far as how our fans treat and our coaches treat officials, I've seen it. It's a problem. I hope that administrators across the state can do a little bit better job of stepping up and modeling what those expectations are like um, for their fans. And when, when someone's off base, then, then you got to have a difficult, critical conversation in a very public setting with them and, and remind them what our expectations are. It doesn't always mean that you kick them out, but it may mean you sit by them or you catch them during a timeout or between quarters, you try to get them off the side and say, hey, this, is, this isn't what we're going to do here tonight. We're here to support our student-athletes. And uh, we know that the officials, in all honesty, they're doing their best. They're trying their hardest. Keisha has a, a good uh, program in place so that those officials um, can learn the rules. They can also go to different clinics so they can become better officials. And I love, one of my favorite things, is seeing a young official get paired with a, with a veteran official. 
And so every league has a commissioner, and the commissioner's job, they're not a school administrator. They're usually a, a paid employee that, or a paid individual that contracts with the league schools to, to assign all the officials for their events um, clear across the league. When I see a good young official, I go out of my way to call our um, commissioner and say, this individual right here has got what it takes. You need to give them a look on a varsity deal. And almost always their response is, thank you so very much. I've got two individuals that would be really great to bring this third party in on a Friday night for basketball. And uh, we'll try to pick one where we know it's two league or league schools not buying for a championship, but we'll, we'll get their feet wet and we'll introduce them to the next level up. And that's what it's all about. There's a learning curve, but we surround them with supportive veteran officials as well as supportive school administrators that are going to stand up for them and regulate their crowd and their coaches by setting that expectation. Things can turn around. I really believe it. Do you uh, now? You, you you brought up the idea of getting more young men, young men and women into officiating. You know, yeah. coaching from the college ranks. It, it, does it go? Do you think it could go as far as Keisha? partnering or creating programs with colleges and junior colleges themselves going to Kansas State, going to Labette Community College and Johnson County Community College and Pittsburgh State University and saying, hey, you know, we're, we're going there during a day or, 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 or proactively recruiting at on campus to get those people to be officials. Uh, I know there's a, there's usually kids, there's usually college-age students that officiate intramurals. I feel like you could just walk yeah. into the K-State rec and find three or four guys that you could sign up to be officials right then and there. Is that an effort that Keisha needs to undergo? Yeah, I I do think that that could truly make a difference. And I guarantee you that those kids that are uh, serving as intramural officials, which, by the way, a great place to get experience, they're going to make way more money working a a Friday night basketball game or even a a Tuesday night middle school volleyball triangular. They're going to make more money, and uh, it's a rewarding thing. They're giving back just like adults gave back to them um, with their time, plus they're getting paid to do it. Now, Mm -hmm. could could Keisha consider waiving some of the fees for officials because they have to register every year with them? I mean, I guess they could. I don't know exactly how much money that brings in every year. Could that, you know, um, could that cost be passed on to the member schools rather than the individual officials? Oh, maybe. I don't know enough about it, once again, to, to speak intelligently about it, but I know it's something I, I would like to have a, a conversation about, and maybe they're already doing that. You know, I just don't know that. So, maybe one thing uh, that it – and like I said, I'm, I'm literally just brainstorming at this point. I, I haven't sure. thought it through, but, you know, most colleges tuition – you know, what a student pays to go there from tuition fees and all that is usually there's X amount of dollars that goes into, like, a student life fund – uh, yeah. That usually the S, that, that that student government association controls within that school. M- maybe those those funds can be used to pay the registration fees for students on that campus that want to go be a high school official in their community. Yeah, what a great idea! Here's a really cool thing about our university system in Kansas. I mean, we've got major universities in Emporia, Topeka, and Hayes, as well as Manhattan and Lawrence and Pittsburgh, of course, down in your area. They're scattered all across our state. If student, uh, students are willing to drive within an hour radius of their campus, think how much of our state could be impacted by college students, let alone the community college system, which gets all every corner of the state. Mm-hmm. We, we probably have the answer there with our young people. If we can connect with them, 
and get them to try it. That's that's the hardest part. And it's already being done. I mean, I'm, I don't know how if you do it at Payola, but like here in Parsons, Kansas, Parsons High School, Labette County High School, even a lot of the high schools in this area frequently poach. Like for example, their volleyball programs frequently poach the Labette count the Labette Community College or yeah. Neosha County Community College volleyball yeah. teams to be their line judges. I mean, we're already yeah. doing it. Sure. Hey, Sean, I'll tell you this. Um, this is a perfect example. We had a young man in Payola about seven or eight years ago, and he kept leaving school early. And I finally I called him in. I said, said, you can't be doing this. I mean, our, our school day goes till 310. Where are you going? And he very sheepishly looked at me and said, said Mr. Hines, he said, I, I'm leaving school because I'm the white hat on a, on a junior high football career, and I've been going to work games. I said, well, that's not going to be a problem anymore. We're going to get all these absences excused. I didn't know you were doing this. I'm going to make a phone call to a league commissioner. Let's try to get you some uh, basketball stuff this um, winter. And I mean, it just took off from there. Did it all the way through college. And so there's kids out there doing doing these things now. We need to recognize them. And hopefully when they're celebrated, their friends will enjoy um, hearing about it and maybe give it a try too. Absolutely. I, I love that. Jeff, thank you for coming on my show. Uh, you came on on about an hour's notice, so I appreciate you uh, taking the call and spending some time with uh, the listeners here on KLKC Radio. Uh, that'll do it for the War Room. Uh, thank you again, Mr. Hines, for coming on. I'm your host, Sean Fry. That'll do it here for the War Room on KLKC Radio. Everybody stay safe and God bless.